In the sport of boxing during the 1930s and 1940s, people did not accept or tolerate black fighters in the boxing ring. During this time, a black man defeating a white man in the ring was hateful to all white boxing fans in the sport because black people were seen as inferior and did not have the same rights as a white man in this era of history. The sport was a white-dominated game, but up came the rising star who became the longest reigning heavyweight champion in the world that has had 25 title defenses from 1937 to 1949, and his record consisted of 66 wins and 52 wins by knockout with only three defeats. And this man is considered to be one of the greatest boxers in the history of the sport. And he goes by the name of Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis was born on May 13, 1914 in Lafayette, Alabama, and was the seventh of eight children. Both of his parents were children of former slaves, alternating between sharecropping and rental farming. In 1926, Joe Lewis's family was shaken by a gang of white men in the Ku Klux Klan. And as a result, him and his family had to move to Detroit, Michigan, where he began working for Ford Motor Company at the River Rug Plant. And his family settled into a home in Detroit in a black bottom neighborhood. While they were in Detroit, his mother attempted him to play violin lessons as he'd go down the street and she'd give him his weekly quarter to go and play his violin lessons. But little did his mother know that he took that quarter that he gave her and instead went down to the boxing gyms and bought himself a pair of boxing gloves where he began his amateur career. And at the start of Joe Lewis's amateur career, he was dominant and gained more experience through each victory. And through each victory, he began to go pro and needed a trainer to help train him for each fight. And Jack Blackburn became the trainer of Joe Lewis, but was hesitant at first to train him because of the color of his skin. And boxing historian Kevin Smith discusses in the HBO sports documentary called No Contest, recites a quote from Jack Blackburn by stating, I don't want to train a black fighter. There's nothing I can do with him that will be successful. And Blackback Blackburn did take the job because he needed the money after serving some jail time for a murder and decided to manage Joe Lewis. And Jack Blackburn had much experience as a manager who has trained many other fighters throughout his time. And Joe Lewis was told by Jack Blackburn that he must be twice as good as all the white fighters to succeed and conduct himself humbly after each victory and to show no emotion when talking to the media and to be humble at all times. Because at this time, if a black man was seen being very arrogant and boasting, this would cause an uprising in the papers and he would be torn apart and would never be successful in the sport of boxing. So he always had to stay calm and mellow at all times. And at the start of Joe Lewis's professional boxing career, he won his first 10 fights by knockout with Jack Blackburn. So they started off with a very strong start, dominating each and every fight. At this time, no white promoters wanted to promote Joe Lewis because he was a black man in the sport of boxing. But up came Mike Jacobs, who decided to take a chance on Joe Lewis, who was a very successful boxing promoter at this time. because And no one else wanted to sign him, so he wanted to break the monopoly that was on Madison Square Garden by getting Joe Lewis in there. So Mike Jacobs finally got Joe Lewis a title shot in the garden against the opponent, who was the current champion, named James Braddock. Joe Lewis's promoter, Mike Jacobs, decided to make Braddock an offer to get him the title shot by granting him for the next 10 years 10% of Joe Lewis's share of each fight. Braddock accepted this offer and made money off Joe Lewis for many years. So every time Joe Lewis fought, whether he won or lost this fight, 
James Braddock would get 10% of his cut, whether Joe Lois won or lost. So imagine each and every fight, you're, you're, this guy's automatically getting 10% of his share, whether he won or lost for the next 10 years. And because of this, Joe Lewis never fully got the money he deserved from each fight and was paying Braddock even though he defeated him. So when they did fight, so when Joe Lewis fought James Braddock, he beat him in the ring and became the champion, and he still had to pay him 10% of each and every fight. And Mike Jacobs made thousands of dollars off each victory as he became the champion, Joe Lewis, and defended his title. And he's the longest reigning heavyweight champion who dominated his title. So James Braddock always had 10% of that of each each money, each payday that he received. The media always spoke neg- negatively about Joe Lewis because of the color of his skin. And during the middle stages of Joe Lewis's career, the media hated watching him succeed in each victory. And the newspapers would constantly release articles claiming that there our start the race riot was going to start and that he was going to disturb the peace within America. Lester Rodney, the sports editor of the Daily Worker from 1936 through 1951, discusses how disrespectfully Joe Lewis was treated and looked down upon through the eyes of white America because the papers depicted him as a lazy watermelon-eating Negro. And yet Joe Lewis was one of the hardest workers and the most disciplined fighters in the ring who constantly trained to maintain those belts that he had. But the newspapers and the media headlines addressed him as a black man than as a professional fighter. And Chris Mead, the author who wrote the biography, Joe Lewis, A Black Man in White America, discusses the nicknames white America gave Joe Lewis, such as the Brown Bomber, the Black Menace, Tan Tornado, and many more. Boxing historian Randy Roberts discusses in his book, Joe Lewis, Hard Times. Man, that Joe Lewis gave up four years, four years of his career when he, when he began to enlist the United States Army during the brink of World War II. Randy also discusses the biography of Joe Lewis that he put on exhibition fights for the troops and is famously quoted for saying, we are going to win this war because God is on our side. And during World War II, Joe Lewis donated $100,000 to the war effort and raised over $150,000 through exhibition fights he put on for the U.S. Army. So during the best point of Joe Lewis's career, he decided that he was going to stop fighting and joined the United States Army during the height of World War II. And at this time, the black soldiers were viewed as inferior to the white soldiers, and at some of Joe Lewis's fighting events, they wouldn't allow all the black soldiers to fight, and Joe Lewis took a stand and said, I won't fight unless everyone gets to watch my fights. So Joe Lewis, it was used really as a puppet for the U.S. Army to promote the war effort as he was receiving a soldier's pay of $21, and was not making his normal paydays in the boxing ring. So this led to a financial disaster of Joe Lewis, who came out of the army with $250,000 in debt to his promoter, Mike Jacobs, because he was borrowing money from him because he couldn't afford to live off that soldier's pay that he was making. And he spent money that he did not have, and he wasn't fighting, so therefore he wasn't really being paid the normal amount that he was used to. And he, at this time, when he left the army, he owed the government roughly around $100,000 in back taxes. And in the HBO documentary called No Contest, Joe Lewis's son discusses that his father's accountants wanted to deduct the money that Joe Lewis spent on tickets for soldiers to attend his fights. But the IRS would not allow these deductions, and they ran the meter on him while they were negotiating. But 
he ended up having a massive tax debt regardless, and they did not allow these deductions, even though Joe Lewis was just trying to do a courteous act for his fellow soldiers by giving back, allowing him to watch these exhibition fights. And as a broke champion, all of his money went to pay off his government debt, and as they taxed his income rate at 90%. So he was in so much debt that this basically forced him to stay in the sport of boxing in order to make money to pay off this disastrous debt, which eventually would accumulate to over a half a million dollars. Lester Rodney, the sports editor from the Daily Worker from 1936 through 1951, discusses how the government made him stay in the sport of boxing. And he had to fight seven times within eight months because of this massive debt that he owed to the government towards the end of his career. And this man was an American icon. People loved Joe Lewis, but he was in the ring way past his prime. And they forced him to stay in the sport of boxing. And the American media never truly could see past the color of his skin during this time of segregation. Because people never truly appreciated Joe Lewis for the charitable donations he was giving to the United States Army during the height of World War II and sacrificed the best years in his boxing career to serve his country. And the government truly pried every last dollar of Joe Lewis, leaving him basically broke at the end of his career, taking every paycheck he received to pay his everlasting debt to the government. So I believe people truly never appreciate Joe Lewis for what he did for his country and the sacrifice that he made. And he's an icon and example to black people at this time who were heavily oppressed by white people and really paved the way for a lot of fighters to become successful in the sport of boxing.